G'day guys and girls and welcome to the Amateur Racer Podcast, the podcast by amateur racers for amateur racers. And well, this is episode 38 and I'm going to call it the Coronavirus Edition of the Amateur Racer Podcast because it's hit people, like people are freaking out, they're cancelling races, we might as well start with news from that, so... What's happened is, this weekend, MotoGP will not be riding at Qatar. Moto2 and 3 will be going ahead because they were already there from testing. Long story short, they're not letting people from Italy fly there. Well, if they do, they're going to do a 14-day quarantine or something like that. So, that rules out a large amount of the paddock. So, they've cancelled the GP. Uh, Alex Spargo flew there already from Australia because you're not banned from flying there from Australia. Um, so he was a bit annoyed to get them, but then it'd be cancelled. But what can you do? Like, It's not on, it's not on. Uh, it's a decision by the Qatar government, pretty much, and it looks like Dorna's hand was pretty well forced. Like, well, we can't really race. Half the paddock can't be here. So that's that. The GP bikes were still there. People were a bit worried about how they're going to get them back, but you know, I think they got some other members of teams or whatever to packed them up for them so they can ship them off and also the next round of thailand's been postponed not cancelled postponed uh so it's looking very much like circuit the americas will be the first race of the championship so it's it seems that only qatar's the one that's going to get um i suppose it's not going to be done it's not going to be might as well not be there for the GP riders, but the other guys are still doing it. Thailand has been moved. They have announced a new schedule. I'll bring it up. Basically, Thailand is where it's going to be the last couple of years. So it's been moved to the 4th of October, and Aragon has been moved as a, as a result to the 27th of September. So everything else, look, it's provisionally still there. I dare say there's going to be more changes. There definitely will be. Are they freaking out a bit much? Probably. Let's be honest, probably. You know. But you can't be too careful, I suppose. And the government's forced their hand in a lot of these things. Like Thailand has put a stop on... I believe they put a stop on people gathering in mass. In mass. And Thailand was the most attended event last year. With 226,000 spectators attending. So... That's why they're postponing that one, by the way. They're not missing out on that cash cow. 226,000 plus spectators might be bigger this year. Might not be with this coronavirus thing. But they're not going to miss, miss out on that, that kind of publicity. So there you know, are rumours that the American rounds might get moved or cancelled. We'll just see. It's def- I can guarantee there'll be more changes, though. Like, they just got to be. There's no chance they can't be. How does this affect the field? Well, one, no one wants to cancel the races. Dorna doesn't want it. The circuits definitely wouldn't want it because they're going to be losing out a shitload of money. Um, I know most of the riders don't want it, but they, they don't have a choice. I've seen people complaining, oh, this is, you know, Mark has bought this on. He got it to be cancelled because he's still injured. There's like five riders in the field who are injured or recovering from injuries. And, it, you know, it's it's good for a couple of people. Yes, it 
it's good for Honda. They can sort out their aero um, and their engine spec still because that doesn't get homologated till the first race. So they can all the manufacturers can still work on it and fine tune things. I think definitely the, the two manufacturers uh, that will get the most gain from it is Aprilia and Honda. Honda because they can work on their aero, sort out their engine, get that fine tuned a little bit. I think they would have been ready, you know, without the delay. But Marquez gives a bit more time to heal as well, get a bit more strength in his shoulder. Could have been sandbagging a little bit, you know. We'll see. Uh, and Aprilia get a big gain out of it because one, their engine is still fresh, reliability concerns are lingering. Um, you know, it only just first went in the track in February, so it hasn't had a lot of track time. So they'll be smashing that in the dyno and whatever testing they can do to kind of fine tune their reliability for that engine. And also Andre Inoni, because he, he hasn't got a result yet. Apparently it's going to be done in a couple more days. Um, so let's say they keep delaying races and he's banned for let's say three months could be perfect for him so you might only miss one race or something uh any news on well should say there has been news on his he submitted a hundred page document basically saying you know that yes i was it was not deliberate and it was caused by food so i don't no one knows what was exactly in it but basically yeah 100 pages trying to say that it wasn't deliberate it was caused by food and it was an accident I think he'll definitely get a ban. It's just a matter of how much. It seems, it seems like with all this press, he's not going to get a big ban, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, new GP calendar out. Races have been delayed. It's shit. I just found out that Italy, right, is the third worst hit country in the world in terms of coronavirus. That's why they're delaying this shit. They don't want those Italians flying in the Qatar. Qatar apparently has like no cases or... As far as I know, no cases. So they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want that shit in here. We don't want any diseases coming. So it's a shame, man. I was pumped. I was so pumped for the start of this year. My body is ready. I'm ready. On a positive for me and being delayed, I have no idea where to watch it in the US. So it gives me a chance to research that and try and sort some shit out. I got the uh, World Superbike Pass, so that's fine. I can watch that anytime, but I don't know what TV station to watch it on, or like, if I have a TV station, I think I've got like some live channels, that's it, but I'll have to have a look. But um, enough of that, enough of the coronavirus and its effect on the racing. Let's talk about the weekend World Superbikes at Phillip Island. Oh my God, what... Some fucking good racing. Oh my goodness. So, closest racing of the decade in terms of podium finishes. Of all the three races, well, I should say, race one, race two, and the sprint race. Race one, the top three were within 0.041 of a second. Fourth was 0.137 from the lead. Uh, race two was stupidly close as well. I think it was 0.07, something ridiculous. And it was the same for the sprint race between the top couple. The top three, sorry. It was just a ridiculous weekend. 
So let's go through some results. Race one, bloody close. Top Rack came through for the win. I know people are saying he's quick and he has been quick in testing, but you don't really know till it's done with these th- things. Like testing is one thing, but man, he really brought it. I was surprised. And another person who surprised me was Lowe's. Everyone's been talking about Ray and Redding. Ray, uh, not sure if people have watched it, basically was in the lead, had a bit of a run of Sykes, ran off the track, ruined his race pretty much. Was trying, setting huge pace on the way back, fastest on track, but then he um, crashed, lost the front, pushing too hard. So that ruined his race one. I don't think it was, um, it was just a race incident. He's basically said as much as well. He wasn't happy, of course. He's just like, it was probably unnecessary from both him and Sykes, but it was just a normal race incident. He was more annoyed at himself for crashing after coming back on the track. Like he, he kind of recognized, yeah, it was a mistake earlier on, both on my heart behalf and Sykes, like Sykes gave him a pretty solid nudge. He had to run up the track and do some motocross, but he was annoyed because he could have salvaged some points. He was banging out the times uh, and there's no reason why he wouldn't have got some points. But the last... He got fuck all, a big fat globe, zero. But yeah, Alex Lowe's a massive surprise. He has been okay in, sorry, just bumped the mic. He's been okay in testing and everything, improving each session, but he was good. He was good. And Redding, very close, very close indeed. He was, well, 0.041 from the uh, win. So you can imagine how close the first three were. It was well, as close as you're going to get pretty much. You're not going to get much closer than that. But, oh, man, it was such a good race. Sykes was up there. He was going for it. Vandermark was up there. Lean Haslam was going really well. Where did he come from? The Honda's got some top speed, by the way. That was surprising. Oh, it was just just quality racing. It really was. A couple of uh, other big surprises were for me was Gerloff, the, the uh, American. He was up in the top 10 looking strong. He died hard towards the end of the race, but he was pretty solid. Very solid, I'd even say. I thought he was a bit of a nothing sighting. I know everyone else did as well, going like, oh, God, Americans are pretty useless at the moment and in the... Uh, motorcycle world in terms of you know road racing but he was good he was very good uh in the sprint race ray came back hard and came in for the win probably how we thought race one would have went to be honest uh he was strong but again it was close really close let me get some times here 0.067 of a second he won by Damn, that is close. Raz Gatlioglu held off Redding, who finished third again. He got three-thirds for the weekend. Alex Lowe's was just up there as well. Sykes was up there. And Baz, who had a good weekend, he had a, showed a great pace. But his Yamaha has a severe deficit in uh, top end. Seems It's last year's engine. Seems to be really missing out when it comes to top speed. 
Uh, Maximilian Sheep. I think they pronounce it Sheep. No, Shipe. I I didn't know how to say it last week, so I just I admit as much as like, what is going on here? He had a solid race too. Couple of people who were disappointing first two races. Chaz Davies. Man, he just wasn't really there. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, I don't know what what's going on there. Thankfully, in race two, he made a big comeback. But uh, Eugene Laverty and Garrett Gerloff missed out because they had concussions from the warm-up, as you do. Nothing like a good crash in a warm-up. That's um, going to get you some amateur race at points. Not as good as Andre Iannone crashing in the uh, cool-down lap. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to beat that. That's ridiculous. Unless they crashed in the warm-up and the cool-down. That would be impressive. But, oh. The sprint race was just as good. I love the sprint race. I was a bit hesitant when it first came in. I was like, why are you doing this? But the racing where they just go flat out and they're all just going for it, not worrying about tyre preservation and just seeing who's the quickest. It was just great to watch. Now, race three was the biggest surprise for me because Alex Lowe's won. And... It was by 0.037 of a second, so fuck all. But he looked good. You know, it was Ray, Redding, or Vandermark. They were all up there, but Alex Lowe's kind of stormed home at the end there. He saved his tyres and just rode a great race. There was nothing wrong with his racecraft, and he came through with the goods. It was by, as I said, fuck all. It was absolutely nothing in it. But another cracking race. It was just fantastic. Top four were within 1.784 seconds. Chaz Davies was back a bit in fifth, though, and made a big comeback considering how his first two races went and salvaged a lot of points. I think Redding's got him covered. Um, Davies has had his kind of chance, I think. He's a great rider, don't get me wrong, but maybe not consistent enough. And he's very strong at Qatar, but... That's not going to happen because it's been delayed. So, hmm, we'll see. A uh, bit of a fail for a top rack in this race, and he didn't finish. Caracasulo didn't finish. Had a interesting weekend, not great. Someone, I think, is just pretty average. Probably not average. I don't know what the go is or if he's on a new bike. Is Takahumi Takahashi. Great name to say, by the way. It rolls off the tongue. Try and say it five times really fast. He's on a Honda and just pretty much at the back of the field each time. I know it's World Superbikes back of the field is still quicker than any of us, but yeah, not sure what's going on there. But man, racing this weekend in the Superbikes, crazy good. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's some of the best racing I've seen in a while. Well, since last season. <laughs> uh, I'll take myself out for that one. That was a that was a good dad joke. That was, that was a shocker. Let me just have a sip of beer. So some other interesting things happened during the weekend. I was talking about the Honda top speeds, but in general, the Ducatis didn't have their top speed advantage. So this is down to a few things. One, all the other bikes have caught way up. They are much faster now, and you can see it on the straight where Last year, the Ducati was blitzing 
everyone down the straight at Philip Horn. Batista was ridiculous. He just passing people people at will down the straights. This year, they were holding Slipstream with them, the Ducatis, and even at times staying ahead while they're being slip, Slipstreamed. Sorry, just trying to spit out my words. And this all the while happened. Ducati broke the overall fastest lap record at Phillip Island. Davies did a 330.3. So Batista is a tiny little dude and he's just aerodynamic. However he's built, just works for top speeds. You know, he shoots it out of corners. So he probably would have done a few Ks faster, but the previous record was from 2012, I believe it was, from, what's his name, Max Biaggi on the Aprilia. That's eight years ago. That thing was an animal, though. It was not much of a uh, world superbike. It was just tuned to its out of its eyeballs, that thing. So he did a 324.6. This year, like six riders beat that. Alex Lowe's did 329, I think. Batista did a 328 on the Honda. Yamaha was up there as well. Like everyone is extremely quick this year. I think the Ducati still got the grunt, um, but it's not going to be as big in as of an advantage this year as it was last year for the Ducatis. But yeah, definitely watch this race. Holy shit, it was races. That's the beauty about Superbox. It was three races. But yeah, that brings me to Super Sport 600s. This was. I enjoyed watching it, but um, it didn't have the same intensity or amount of just sheer passing that World Superbikes did. Like, Superbikes had just passes everywhere, and it was in some intense racing. So, 600s, I was hoping it wouldn't be the R6 Cup anymore, but Locatelli is, uh, well, he won by 5.8 seconds. While having a pit stop, everyone has to have a pit stop in the 600s at Phillip Island. I think it's ridiculous that they do, like, safety concerns over tyre life. What the fuck? It's just ridiculous. But, and the same thing happened last year, and I'm not sure. It was a bit chaotic last year, because Caracasolo took off with his paddock stand still on. Hilarious. Hilarious. But this year, yeah, they had to do a... 10 lap stint, a maximum of 10 laps on their first set of tyres, come in and do a mandatory pit stop and they had to do it for a set amount of time. So the amount of time was, I think it was like 40 seconds or something like that. So most people would easily do their tyres. Some are only doing the rear, some are doing both front and rear. And then they'd have to stop and wait, either wait in the pit or stop and wait at the end of pit lane until the time was up. And we had multiple people <laughs> fucking this up. Uh, Odinor Cluzel left us too early, and there were a few others as well that we found out at the end. So basically, how they're panelizing them was, I think Odinor left 2.3 seconds early, so he got a 2.3 seconds added to his race. Whereas Cluzel was like, point, it was 0.1 something like that but it could be the difference between you know first and second or whatever but it didn't really make a huge difference to these guys at the front so that you know it's confusing like it 
they obviously, I don't know what they're doing. They didn't go through it enough or just the pressure of racing at the time. Your adrenaline's pumping. You you just fuck it up. I'm, I'm not sure. But I enjoyed the race. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately for Locatelli. He ran away with it. Man, he was on pole straight into that Paddy Yamaha team. They are the best team in the paddock. They've proved it the last few years. It's not just the bike. I don't think they're just a good team. And he smoked them. Man, he smoked them. The one person they thought might have the pace crashed. And that was our boy, last year's champion, Randy Krumenacker on the MV Augusta. I was a bit annoyed at this because I want to see MV win the championship. I don't want Yamaha to win again in this R6, R6 Cup. Something that was good is that it was broken up and that the other manufacturers are actually given a red hot go. Three different manufacturers on the starting grid. Um, only six riders have kept the same ride for the year, by the way. So that's a crazy amount of change. So there was a lot of unknowns this race, but Locatelli just, he set himself as the early favourite for sure. You, you can't win by that margin with a tyre change and not be the favourite. But... There was some great racing. DeRosa finished second. Looked fantastic on the MV. So considering that um, Krumnak was probably a little bit faster than him over the weekend, he might have given Locatelli a, a you know a bit of a nudge, but I doubt it being that big a margin. Cluzel, who was there last year, got third. Looked solid on the Yamaha and had some great scraps with Lucas Myers. They kind of got separated a bit. Until Lucas Myers caught up with Perilari, who I believe he got a small penalty, very small penalty. They battled hard for fourth and fifth for a long time. A couple of people who were having good races and um, crashed. Philip Ortel, who's who's come from Moto Three, along with a few other riders, by the way, which is surprising. A couple others have changed to the Superbike paddock. He was looking solid, but crashed. Ollie Bayless, who was uh, wildcarding, didn't start. I, I'm guessing that's because of the tyre change, which is just, it's not a good spot for, it's a terrible place for people to wildcard in that regard because they're just different style bikes in that they don't, they don't have the quick change set up and everything. Or like, you don't train for that shit. Who changes for pit stops? No one, absolutely no one. So it's a shame he didn't get to get there. Uh, back to Ertel, he was looking good. He crashed on dual corner. He just ran wide and too fast. The same with uh, Krumnacker, who, by the way, just stuffed the start. He jumped the start, so he would have had a penalty for that. And then straight into turn one, he had a massive crash. He ran too wide, was you know trying to hold too much pace, and just lost the front. It's a pretty common crash there at turn one. And um, his bike got sent cartwheeling, and it was Fubard. Shit was flying off it from everywhere. Pits of MV gusto all over the place. Another thing I noticed is uh I believe that a Hyundai i thirty N safety car. God it was ugly. What was that? It's like the sedan version or like a uh, it's got like a little boot on it? Now hatchback versions look pretty good. I actually I like them. I'd be tempted to get one. They're well priced for what they are. But that thing, uh, I can't get into that look. It's just, uh, come step it up, people, step it up. Oh, and I digress. I digress. 
Uh, I was a bit worried for Locatelli. He was smoking him, but he left his uh, pit to the last lap he could. And then I was like, oh, is he going to keep pushing? Looked like he was, but then he just smoothly went in. No issues whatsoever. It was a good race. I, It was, you know, as I said, the pit stops really annoy me. Make your tyres last. Dunlop, who the fuck does your tyres for 600s? Everyone else does it. Come on, get it sorted. It is the fastest track on the circuit, fastest average speed-wise for the World Superbikes. I think there's only a couple that are faster. I believe it might be Sepang. Sepang might be faster. I don't think World Superbikes are right there. But uh, it was in one positive about the tyres was that they can just go hard out. To go to tyre chains, go flat out, get fresh tyres on, get back out there and smash it. So that was positive about the tyres. It's a bit of an outlier for the uh, 600s. And we'll see how they go on the following rounds. When that's going to be, I don't know. We'll see with this bloody coronavirus. Do you guys think it's as bad as they, they reckon? It's bad, don't get me wrong. It's like a, what, a 1% death rate. It sounds low. I know it's terrible. Don't you? it is terrible. Like I know a lot of people in China have died, and getting six never never good. Let alone chance of dying. It's not like getting the common cold here. But it's a bit like knee jerk. Like in Australia, people have taken fucking toilet paper. Who takes toilet? Like there's a all right, let's say it's gonna get bad. Half the world's population's wiped out or something. Are you going to get toilet paper? You'd be down the fucking gun store or something, wouldn't you? You're getting cans of beans or Migorang noodles or something, not bloody toilet paper. <laughs> oh, shit. It's pretty crazy. And there's like punch-ons. I saw someone tase it over a fight over it. Hilarious, by the way. Hilarious. I just would have been the most comical scene ever. ever. Like, put the toilet paper down. <laughs> <laughs> just fried him with the taser oh god hasn't really been much of a thing here in uh, America yet like one we don't we have a TV but it's only got like the internet up to it so it's got like live TV we never, nearly never watch it so we're just checking out Australian news pretty much and it's all over Australian news um, it doesn't really seem to be a thing here there's plenty of toilet paper to go around for one <laughs> Uh, what other notes have I got in the 600s? Oh, the top speed from Locatelli. 279. That's pretty pumping. That is a serious top speed from a 600. Very serious. But uh, no 300s either. They don't race at this round. They, they too far for them. Too far to travel. They don't do... I think they do about half the rounds from memory. So not... Not a lot. I'd like to see them do more, but man. They, didn't I say last week they got like 60 entrants or something like that? So they're not traveling over. The paddock would just be full. You got Australian superbikes there, world superbikes. Oh, Australian superbikes has like 10 classes running. So it'd be chaos. <laughs> they just couldn't do it, I don't think. But uh, I don't think I have much more to say about the world superbikes. 
besides watch it, watch the big boys at least. The six uh, hundreds not so much, but all the thousand cc class was just fucking awesome. Watch it, everybody, watch it. Do it. Pretty hard to watch though, unless you got Fox or KO or World Superbike Pass, which is expensive, man. I can't get KO here, by the way. I was going to get KO. You can't get it in the United States. Bloody Australian shit. And then you need a VPN and all that other shit, which I'm just not going to do. It's too hard basket. I can't be bothered doing that. So I'm going to have to look at other places. If anyone in the US or knows where to watch it in the US, let me know. Keep me posted. Because i got no idea at the moment. No idea. But uh, Australian Superbikes... Frustratingly, I wasn't able to watch any of this because uh, they didn't share it because of their Dawna rights they have for the bloody first round or some shit. So that was annoying. Um, I can go through the results, which is a bit boring in the news. We can go through a, bit of, a little bit of news. So let me bring it up here. I've got about 50 tabs open on the computer. The Australian Superbike site, I said it last year, I'll say it again, it's just, it's a bit weird. I don't really like it. Results. Alright, so the winner of the round of the big boys was, I was actually surprised with this, Wayne Maxwell on his Ducati B4R. He swapped to this bike this year, and I think he was on a Beamer last year. And, damn, won every single race. Um, and smoked him. Crew Halliday got second, got second in every race. And Josh Waters got a second, a third, and a second, a fifth, I think it was, and a second. There was some really good racing. Brian Starring, Herfoss, Falzon, Jones, Nat had some good battles from what I've been reading. Um, but yeah, Wayne Maxwell leading the championship. Jones, um... Had a bit of a shit first race. Didn't... I know he's going for back-to-back championships. People saying he can't. You know, it's pretty tough to do. It's not a new V4R, though. Uh, and he's... Well, here's an example. Wayne Maxwell's on 76. He is on 35. So, come on, Mike. Pick it up, brother. Get it going. So... Aiden Wagner has a mechanical issue in one of the races... Don't know why he didn't race in the third one. I know he's getting surgery again on his thumb, but he said he'd be right for the next round. So when he's fit and fighting, he's just fucking awesome to watch. Just an aggressive rider who goes for it. So next round, where are they at next round? Let's have a look. Be interesting if it goes down the wire like last year. Be fucking awesome. That would just be really good. So their next round is not until the 27th, the 29th of March at Wakefield Park. <laughs> oh no, not Wakefield. The worst fucking track in the world. Oh my God, the goat track. So they usually have about a, a month between each round, World Superbikes, because just so they can get to each round and, you know, someone just competing, you know, getting the money together and all that. That's amateur racing, but even though some of these guys aren't very amateur, they're... Well, they're not. They're a factory rise and getting paid. I know a few of them, even their top guys, sorry, 
they find it hard just the teams to get to places and pay for it all and especially like Brian Starring when we interviewed him he said like just coming from WA to over here for all these rounds is tough so that's what I have a bit of a gap between races everyone if you want to know that's one of the reasons so yeah that Wakefield Park next the 600s had some surprising results too I thought Tom Taparis would just go for the win. Didn't win this... Well, not go for the win, but um, take the win. But his mate, Ollie Bayless, pipped him, getting a first, a second, and a first. So taking a total of 71 points, and Tom Taparis was on 65. This is very surprising. Very surprising. Another surprising thing is Nick Lemington picked to pip Tom Edwards. Good on him. I just didn't expect it. I don't know why, you know, just Tom Edwards is, when I've seen him race, he's been bloody fast, so all for Nick Limington. Bit of a disappointment was uh, Brock Pearson, who I thought was going to be one of the championship favourites, but um, he didn't have a great round. He got seventh overall. I think he said as much on his Facebook that he's a bit disappointed with his round. So we'll see how he goes. He's a Queensland boy as well, so you'd like to see them do well, being a Queenslander. Uh, hopefully next round I'll be able to watch it all. Well, all of us be able to watch it all. Because well, I usually watch it on Facebook because they just stream the whole video all the, and then they just keep it on there so you can just keep watching it. And they're going to have it on their um, website as well. I know the uh, the guys of KO and Fox Sports said they were watching it. So it was being live streamed, no doubt. Not live streamed, but shown on their live. So next round, next round I'll be able to actually talk about it all. And know what I'm talking about properly. Around uh, the, not round three, the 300s. Harry Curry smashed them all. Reading the report, he got pole. He won every race by a mile. And just smoked him. Which is quite surprising. Good on him. See how he goes. He's been around for a couple of years now, Harry Curry. So, he's probably due. He's probably due. And we'll see how he goes. Right, we've got a little bit of news before we get into a couple of little Moto2 stuff. Moto2 or Moto3. Lorenzo is going to wildcard at Catalonia. Is it unexpected? You know, that, that was the rumor a little while back that it was, this was going to happen. I know Honda were like... Basically said that he kind of retired. Alluded to that. He retired to get out of the contract, pretty much. It suited them. It suited him. They didn't want him. He didn't want to be there. So, we'll see how he goes. Um, Catalonia? Here's a plot twist. This is a good plot twist for you. Let's say all the races are postponed or cancelled. And only race. His first race happens at Catalonia. And Jorge Lorenzo wins. <laughs> He's leading the championship. And there's like five races left. Sorry to sit the mic. <laughs> How funny would that be? He'd have to go on. He'd have to. He wouldn't have a choice. Yamaha would be like, yeah, get in there, mate. You know, the Yamaha guys went, shit, you're it. You're our only hope. Wins the championship. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. Hey, never know. Buddy Qatar's been cancelled and Thailand's been postponed. You never know. But a little bit more to do with um, 
the news, we had the Pramac has presented their 2020 MotoGP livery, which it looks okay. It's it's hard to... The Ducatis are so fuck ugly, it's hard to tell if it's nice or not. It's a pretty nice livery. Jack Miller's posing with it. Looks like he's in love. So that's... He's been good in testing, by the way. So hopefully he can keep it up. It just... <laughs> it's a proper prototype. I, it's so ugly, it's attractive. It's gone full circle. you got to respect the Ducati in that. Like, it's just so wild and... It's a proper prototype. There's a lot of shit going on in this bike. It looks weird. It it looks weird. So they got the red, white stripes with a bit of blue thrown in. You know, it is nice colouring. I'll give them that. But yeah, it's, it's hard to say it's very nice looking. I'm interested to see how Bagnai goes this year as well on a little side note. Uh, some other news. Espaleta has said... I don't know if you know... Um, Espaleta is the CEO of Dorna. He's basically said that, Carmelo Espaleta, by the way, that MotoGP will race until Christmas if necessary. As the ongoing coronavirus crisis forces MotoGP organized to reshuffle the 2020 calendar, Carmelo Espaleta says nothing has been ruled out to deliver a full campaign. So basically... He's saying they're doing whatever they can to make sure this championship goes ahead. Um, and contractually, they have to do 13 races, races, I believe it is, for a championship with the FIM. But they want to do the remaining 19. Uh, look, we'll see what happens. You never know. They, they might have to postpone something to, to keep it going if they're going to put races back later in the year as things develop a bit more. Well, I suppose we better talk about Moto Two and Moto Three. They're racing this weekend. I don't know how I'm going to watch it yet. I got to figure that out yet. We'll have to figure it out. I'm not going to do any um, predictions or anything. Well, anything major, just because Lance is in here and me and him have a look, a little battle, to see who can do the picking. Moto Three. We'll start with them. I had some guys go up. There's been some changes. It's always so unpredictable and just crazy. I would like to think that um, the Japanese guys could do a bit better this year and be more consistent. They had the speed, Ayagura, Tatsuki Suzuki, uh, a couple of other guys. But I think maybe Arbolino is going to be the favorite this year. He's had a couple of years there. He was good last year. I think he got third after... Third, I believe it was, after Della Porta and Canet. So, there's a lot of names here that are going to do well. We got, as I said, Suzuki, Arbolino, Dennis Foggia, Jaume Massia, John McPhee, who's was very surprising for me last year, and that he was consistently at the podium. Shows great race cla- racecraft. Albert Arenas. There's there's heaps of people that are just Going to be going well, I think. Uh, another big favourite apparently is Philip Salich, who's did very well in testing. So I'm looking forward to Moto Three. It's always chaos, Nothing like a bit of organised chaos. Let them loose, see how they go. It's it's going to be interesting that the Moto Two and Three guys are going to have a lot more people interested in 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 them press wise. 
they might not know what to do with themselves. I see that uh, also in Qatar, the public are not allowed in the pits. So I think usually they're allowed to go through the pits and stuff like that because they just fuck all people go to it. That's why they weren't too concerned. They're like, oh, yeah, just keep them going, you know. Motor 2 and 3 can go. They don't have a GP with it. It's only going to be 10,000 people there or something. So that is, that's from the government as well. I'm pretty sure the, gov- the government or the, the race organisers have done that, not Dorna. So Moto 3 is going to be crazy. It's going to be good fun. <laughs> As I said, I want the Japanese guys to go well. They're, they're always great to watch racing was. Moto 2. <laughs> I was reading a stat that the amount of race winners in this is crazy. It's like eight race winners or something that won like 60-something races between them. I think Navarro is going to be strong this year. Um, the speed up now, we were saying previously that they've increased their bikes to four, I believe it is, so they get more data. They were already very good. He was good. I want to see them do well and Navarro do well. Their bikes look cool. They're orange. I like orange. My CBR was orange. So I think he'll do well. The Gen Antonio rookie stepping up from Moto3, been doing well on testing. Uh, and the Aspar team is the other team that's taken on the speed up chassis too. So they've got Aaron Kinnett, who just was extremely strong in testing. A big, he surprised a lot of people, surprised me to be just straight up there in like top five or so in terms of pace. And they had Huffy Siren as well. So. We'll see how we all go. We'll see how we go. Um, I think Huawei Martin will go well this year. He's on the Kalex from KTM because that's pretty sure I've, we've said that KTM is no longer going to really be there. Uh, they're still going to be like Red Bull KTM supported teams, and that you know they're going to use it as a stepping stone into GP riders and stuff. But they're concentrating on GP. Other riders we've got. Bastianini, Bulaga, Remy Garner, the Aussie who's been great in testing. I think he can. I no, I not. I think. I hope he can find what he was missing last year, which was consistency. He's got the speed. He's definitely got it, but he was a bit consist, inconsistent and inexperienced. Like he had some avoidable incidents last year. So if he can. Put it all together, he'll be a championship contender. He said as much that he wants to win. And we got Marcel Schroeder, Luca Marini from Sky VR46, Chavi Vierge, Boldasari, and Tom Luthi, who's always up there. There's so many riders here that are going to be a chance this year. It's I'm looking forward to see what they can do. Envy Augusta's there as well. They got uh, Manzi and Simone Corsi. You know, Moto Two is great fun to watch. This last year was an interesting year. Marquez got the biscuits in the end, but some other guys really made him fight for it. There was a, a period last year where he was just smoking them though. What a fair few races in a row and just looks he looked like his brother in terms of how dominant and confident he looked. I'm not gonna pick a winner. 
fuck it, I will. Navarro. Let's go with Navarro. I hope Navarro does well. Because um, I like the speed up. And it's pretty in orange. But um, last but not least, I've got a little beer review. You know, we usually do a beer review. And I'm in America, so I bought something small and local that you probably can't fucking buy in Australia or other places. <laughs> Just to be a pest. So, the beer I got is called M43. The brewer is New Orthodox. It's an India Pale Ale, which I nearly always drink. India Pale Ale, Stout, or Die. And this is a any IPA, a New England India Pale Ale. 6.8%. Comes in a big fuck-off can, like a 440ml or a pint. It's probably a pint over here, actually, the cans. It is, like, hazy as hell. You can't see through it. It looks like juice. It tastes like a really juicy beer, and it's delicious. If you see it, grab it. It was, like... It was cheap, too. It was cheap. One thing about America. People say it's really cheap. One, it's not that cheap, I don't think. Some things are very cheap, though. Fuel? Cheap as fuck. It's, like, $2.39 a gallon. That's $2.39 US, so... What's that, like $3, four, $3 something, 4 litres is cheap. Beer is dead set cheap. I think this is $12 for a 4-pack and they're like 4 pints. So it's cheap. And that's expensive beer for you. Like this is an independent craft beer that's hazy so it got stupid amount of hops in it that must cost a fortune. But like a normal 6-pack's like 8 10 bucks. You get a 20-pack of like Bud or... Miller or something for like 15 bucks. They're really cheap. A 13, 30 pack for like 18. It's just, it's cheap to buy beer here. And so is like liquor, like rum, vodka and the stuff. Very cheap. You're looking like $9, $10 for a 700 mil. Oh, other things are cheap. Electronics are pretty cheap. Uh, if you're earning US dollars, definitely cheaper. And TVs are cheap. For some reason, TVs are dirt cheap here. Get like a 50 inch for like 200 bucks, like a good 50 inch. It's crazy. But uh, beer, anyway, this beer is good. I really recommend it. Um, it was on sale. It's like usually $20 for a four pack, which is expensive. Like, that's just expensive for beer. But fantastic. Really hoppy and really juicy and easy to drink. Kind of like um, an Australian equivalent would be the uh, Brandau Brewing. Industrial Haze, is that what it's called? Or the Hazy Beer. It's, it's very similar to this. But, um, yeah, that's about it for this podcast. Again, Lance not here, as you notice. He, we're trying to make it work. We're trying to make it work. Time zones and busy and life and just life in general getting in the way. But we'll get there, people, and be all back to normal and be able to bounce with each other a bit more and get some predictions going. It's probably good that the coronavirus has happened because... You know, I don't have as much to talk about. We don't have as much to talk about. Well, coronavirus is a lot to talk about, and at least news, but it's more news-related and stuff like that, you know? So I'm trying to make it a positive thing out of this. All right, so thanks for listening, everyone. As usual, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, follow us on Spotify, Facebook, and SoundCloud, iTunes, and whatever else is going on. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you next week. See ya.